You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Now, today we're going to continue our series on Pentecost. We're on part eight of our series, Pentecost. Um, I'm hoping that this series about the Holy Spirit has been impacting you. We've got a lot to unpack today, so I want to just kind of dive right in. Today we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and in particular love in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus talked about abiding in the vine, and when we abide in the vine, we'll bear much fruit. And regarding to bearing much fruit, he's referring to the gifts of the or the fruit of the Spirit, rather. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. If you didn't catch that um, last week, tune into that. That would be great. Um, but today we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there's one place in particular everybody goes in regards to the gifts of the Spirit and believe that there are only nine gifts of the Spirit. But I'm going to read all of the different texts that we have. It's a lot of texts, but I'm going to read them because it's important that, that, to understand that there are lots of varying gifts of the Spirit that, or graces, you could even say, that are afforded to us by the Spirit. So before we jump in, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 111, 1 through 11, excuse me, and verse 28. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So let's do this. First Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given, now he begins to list these gifts of the Spirit. That's where we get the nine gifts of the Spirit. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 28, it says this, and God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. He goes on to say, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues and do all interpret? He's emphatically trying to say no, 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 but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I'll show you a more excellent way. So that's 1 Corinthians. We turn over here to Romans uh, chapter 12, starting the third verse. He says this, 
This is also Paul writing to the Roman church. Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Paul writing to the Roman church. He says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Hope you're catching this. Paul writing about the gifts of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. We would call this a sort of the fivefold ministry, but we have to recognize that this is a gift of the Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love now i know that that is a lot of scripture but I wanted you to see that the gifts of the Spirit are not just limited to the nine gifts of the Spirit that we often talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Rather, Paul, in a number of occasions, speaking to a number of different churches, refers to these gifts of the Spirit that are to be used by the body of Christ. Now, I compiled a quick list. I'm going to go through this very quickly. So hold on with me here. But here's sort of 16 generalized gifts and graces that Paul speaks about. First, he speaks about prophecy, which means to speak by divine inspiration, not just limited to future events. And oftentimes we'd hear this divine inspiration in preaching or teaching. Next, serving. This is a practical service to those who are in need, or you could say ministering to people. This is one of the gifts. The gift of teaching, to clearly instruct and communicate knowledge or doctrines of faith. The gift of encouraging or exhortation, consistently calling upon others to heed and follow God's truth. The gift of giving, though all the people in the church are called to be stewards of the resources God has given us, and all of us are called to partake in giving, there is a special gift of giving where people are able to joyfully share their resources, both financial or financial material and even the time that they have. They usually go above and beyond in their giving. The gift of leadership, one who manages or guides people in the church. You could consider this like someone who steers the ship. Uh, the gift of mercy, someone who's compassionate towards others in distress and acts towards relief of their suffering. Uh, the gift of the word of wisdom, someone speaking biblical truth with skillful application and discernment. A word of knowledge, someone understanding and communicating the deep things of God. 
the gift of faith, strong, unshakable confidence in God. All believers, um, like giving, all believers possess a measure of faith. So we all have a measure of faith, but there's a gift of faith where there's this unshakable confidence in God, no matter what you're facing. The gift of healing, God working through men and women for the healing of sickness and disease. Uh, the gift of miracles, God working supernatural events through men and women. Uh, gift of discerning spirits, the ability to determine the true message of God from deceiving doctrines. That's an important one. Uh, the gift of tongues, spirit-empowered language. Uh, just a brief thing here with the gift of tongues. Some of you have heard me say this before. I believe that there are sort of four types of gifts of tongues, uh, two public and two private. In the public gifts of tongues, it would be, the first would be glossolalia, which happened in Acts chapter two, where you speak in a known tongue, but not your own tongue. So the spirit enables you to speak in a known tongue, but not your own tongue publicly, declaring the glory of God. The second one where you speak in a tongue and someone interprets it for the sake of those who are around you, um, the two private one is when you pray in the spirit to build yourself up in your most holy faith, to edify yourself um, in your faith. And Paul talks about that. He says, I praise God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Or four, the other private one is that when you do not know what to pray, uh, when you're when you, something is happening, you sense something's going on, the spirit of God is prompting you to pray, but you don't know what to pray. Pray in other tongues and the Spirit makes intercession for you um, in those realms. Moving on quickly through these gifts. The interpretation of tongues. Uh, that's a Spirit-empowered uh, ability to understand and translate whatever the tongues were. Um, uh, the gift of helps. The ability to aid or assist others with compassion and grace. And then, of course, we talked in Ephesians about the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. These are people who communicate and lead in the church. Now, there, Paul makes it clear that there is a diversity of gifts. I just listed 16. There's a diversity of gifts, but only one spirit, one Lord, one God who empowers them all. And he wants everybody to know that these gifts are given by God and come under the umbrella of one God, one Lord, one spirit that is empowering this diversity of gifts. And Paul uses the metaphor of the body to speak to the overwhelming complexity of the Catholic or universal church. And what he's trying to make it clear to us that it's about unity under one spirit, not uniformity, meaning that we all don't operate in the same gifts. We all don't have the same exact giftings. Thank God for that. But that the spirit of God, the same spirit, unity in the spirit is empowering these diverse gifts in each and every one of us for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the church. And we could spend uh, literally countless hours uh, talking through the diversities of the gifts as they pertain to the complexities of the human experience. Think about that. Every single human is so different. The way that they think, the way that they view the world, the way that they were raised, their sort of understanding of things and the gifts that they have been given, whether it be leadership or helps or whatever those gifts may be, the varying degrees in which they're given those uh, gifts and the varying degrees in their own personalities, in their own life, in their own context, 
really provides an, an, an unending, uh, endless, infinite amount of complexities around how the Spirit of God is working in each individual person's life. And so we can't take the time this morning to talk about all of those complexities. But what I do want to speak about briefly today is I want to speak to the intention of the gifts of the Spirit. I want to speak to the expression, how the gifts of the Spirit are expressed in our lives. And I want to give some simple caution as we as we explore and operate in and practice using the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that God has given us by His Spirit. And in doing that, I'm going to read just one more text here to you uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 10 and 11. And here's what it says. As each has received a gift, as each, that means every single one has received, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So first let's talk about the intention of the gifts that God has given us. And the intention is twofold. It's one, to glorify God, and two, to edify the church. First, to glorify God. These are the gifts that are given by God and therefore are intended to bring glory back to God. We we have to be careful as we operate and function in the gifts that we don't become so enamored with the gifts that we become glory thieves, that we think that the gifts are about us, that we think that the gifts are about our glory. No, the gifts are not about us. They were given to us to help us glorify God. And we've said this before, what is man's chief end? Well, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And these gifts that God has given us by his spirit help us, guide us in glorifying God. So when we look at the intention behind these gifts, first and foremost, above everything else, we have to understand that these gifts are intended to glorify God. So don't be so enamored with the gift that we try to steal the glory from God. Secondly, these gifts are given, the intention of these gifts is to edify or build up the church, the body of Christ. Paul says in all of the texts that I read there, let me summarize some of the things that Paul says about these gifts. He says, use them to serve one another. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good so that the church may be built up. He says, strive to excel in the building up the church. And he says, it's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you see the language that Paul is using here about the gifts that God has given us? That they are intended to edify the church for the common good. Use them to serve. Use them for the common good. Use them to build up, uh, to edify, to equip the church. The gifts are not meant to be used in isolation. 
It's not my gift. And so therefore, it's because it's my gift, I use it in isolation for my benefit. No, the gifts are given to us to be used in community, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the church. They're meant to help us build up the community of God, that the 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 brotherhood, the the church, the ecclesia, the call that ones, whatever you want to call it, the gifts that God has given us are intended to be edifying to the body, edifying to the church. So being a people of the spirit in this present day means that we work, we use the gifts to serve one another, to build up and edify the church. Gordon Fee said it like this, the building up of the community is the basic reason for corporate settings of worship. They should probably not be turned into a corporate gathering for a thousand individual experiences of worship. No, we don't want, we might have a thousand different gifts in the room, but all of those gifts come together to glorify God and to edify and build up the church corporately. So this is the intention, to glorify God, to edify the church. Now, the expression of the gifts is sort of twofold. There are uh, a manifold, there are varied gifts. There's so much complexity to how many gifts there are and how God uses them in each individual's life. But the expression of these gifts is basically twofold. There are the speaking gifts and then there are the serving gifts. And we see that here in 1 Peter 4 when he says... Um, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So the speaking gifts, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, like prophecy, teaching, um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, tongues and interpretation, these sort of speaking gifts that we have, um, they're intended to be gifts that build up the church but he says, when you speak them, speak as one who is speaking the oracles of God. That means there should be a holy reverence when one opens their mouth to engage the community of God with the speaking gift from the Spirit. That there should be a holy reverence to what is being said. Being careful to not take the responsibility lightly and also to not ascribe communication to God that is contrary to his character. I think this is why the scriptures say that we should, um, you know, not necessarily want to be people who teach because those who teach are, are doubly judged or there's a more, more harshly judged, however you want to say it. But it's kind of this idea of like, you need to really have a reverence about opening up the scripture, a reverence about declaring thus saith the Lord in front of the body of Christ, a, 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 an awe to it. It's not to say that you can't have your personality. For sure, God is using you, so you should be you. It's not to say that you can't have joy, um, that you can't have fun. Of course you can. But it's to say that we should be careful to not be irreverent 
with the words that God has entrusted us to speak. And that we also shouldn't be so flippant with our words that we ascribe to God things, communications that are contrary to God's nature and character. And secondly, there's the serving gifts. And he says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Those with the gift of serving can often find themselves serving from their own strength. I don't know about you, but I've felt this before in my life where I will try to serve the Lord with everything and I, and I have some serving gifts and I will go out and I will try to do it in my own strength. We have to be careful that we don't overcommit, that we don't run on empty, that we don't find ourselves in joyless service because we're running off of our own strength. This is whoever serves, serve by the strength that God supplies. Whatever sort of serving that may look like, if it's helps or leadership or giving or mercy, that we're not called to go beyond what God has supplied us in our giftings for serving. Remember, the strength of the gift comes from the creator of the universe, the shaper of the mountains, the one who tames the raging seas, and his strength is inexhaustible. And so when you serve the body of Christ, and the scripture says, use those gifts, uh, operate, function with those gifts. When you serve in these serving gifts, be sure that you serve by the strength that God Sir, uh, provides. You speak as if you're speaking the oracles of God and you serve as if you're serving with the strength that God and God alone can provide. Andy Stanley, or excuse me, Charles Stanley, Andy's dad, said this, as God's children, we are not to be observers. We're to, part we're to participate actively in the Lord's work. Spectators sit and watch, but we are called to use our spiritual gifts and serve continually. So the expression of these gifts, whether it be in speaking and serving or serving, should be used. They should be applied in the community of believers. We're never called to sit on the sidelines and watch and spectate. No, each one's been given a gift, whether it be of speaking or of serving, and, 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 and in some cases, multiple gifts. There's no indication that you only have one gift, but multiple gifts, and you're to use those gifts, again, to glorify God, build up the local church. Now, quickly, I just want to share a quick couple of thoughts or caution, if you will, regarding the gifts. And what I want to share here is that there are sort of two ditches um, in regards to the gifts of the Spirit. There is cessationism and there is sensationalism. Again, two ditches, cessationism and sensationalism. Now let's talk about cessationism first. And this would be a gross undervaluing of the gifts of God. Cessationism is the opposite of continuationism. And what it means is it's the belief that at the end of the so-called apostolic age, some of the gifts ceased, like tongues, miracles, apostles, prophets. 
And you'll find this um, pretty significantly in the reform tradition, like John Calvin, I believe, was a uh, the one who sort of came up with this idea of cessationism, that the gifts, some of the gifts had ended or ceased at the end of the apostolic age. So they don't believe in tongues. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in the apostles, any, any new apostles or any new prophets. And for me, I just want to caution against this belief in that, in my opinion, there's no real clear biblical declaration of such things. Um, they use oftentimes the scripture, let's see here, 1 Corinthians 13, they'll use oftentimes the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, as their sort of anchor scripture for this idea of cessationism. Again, I believe in continuationalism. I believe in continuationism, actually, that the gifts have continued. But they use the scripture that says, love never ends. As for, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall now fully, even as I have been fully known. So this is sort of the text, the anchor text for this idea that the gifts pass away. Love never ends. Prophecies will pass away. Tongues will cease. Uh, knowledge will pass away. Now, this is a true statement. What Paul is saying here is true. What he's trying to do is anchor us in love. And he's saying, listen, love is never going to pass away. What God is love, so love cannot. And we are a part of a community of love. The Trinity was at, at the... At, 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 in the beginning, the Alpha, the Omega, the end, all of this, the Trinity was the, was this first community of love. And we've been invited into this community of love. Love will never go away. But prophecies, uh, tongues, knowledge, when the perfect comes, when we are perfected and, and, and the full consummation of the kingdom of God comes, we'll have no need for prophecies. We'll have no need for tongues. We'll have no need for word of knowledge because we will be fully and perfectly made into the image of Christ again. So this is why I believe in the continuation until until the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, until the full consummation of the kingdom of God comes, we still have need for the gifts of the Spirit to help us walk and live the life God has called us to. That's one ditch. Cessationism. The second ditch, I would say, is sensationalism. And sensationalism, to me, is an overvaluing of the gifts. Sensationalism is common among charismatic churches. I grew up in charismatic churches. I'm really aware of the charismatic movement. And they depend heavily on the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm thankful for my experiences in the charismatic movement. I'm thankful for my times that I have experienced the gifts of the Spirit, real gifts of the Spirit in my life. So I'm not throwing stones here. I'm saying we need to be cautious that we don't end up sensationalizing, overvaluing the gifts of the Spirit. In a lot of ways, I believe that this is what Paul was warning against in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
Now, if you go read the gifts, the gifts are through chapter 12 and then through 13 and 14. Like it doesn't just stop at 12. If you read those three chapters together, you'll get the full context of what Paul is talking about in regards to the gifts of the Spirit. But in a lot of ways, I think this is what Paul is warning against, the sensationalism of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. He juxtaposes in 14 prophecy and tongues. Now, he's doing that intentionally because the Corinthian church was having an issue where they were overemphasizing speaking in tongues. That they saw the ability to speak in tongues or to speak with the language of angels, if you will, they, they saw that as being more spiritual. That if they were able to speak in tongues, they were more spiritual. And you can, you can imagine that this created quite a bit of chaos in their gatherings together as many were trying to speak in tongues and prove sort of their spirituality to the other people around them. And Paul in chapter 14 there goes in and he and he reemphasizes that listen these gifts are for the building up of the church. And this is where he says, I would rather speak five words that are intelligible that can be understood, five words of prophecy then 10,000 words of tongues, then 10,000 unintelligible words is what he's saying. I would rather, for the sake of the believer and non-believer alike, that you only say five words, prophetic words that can be understood, than 10,000 words that have to be interpreted that, or that can't be understood altogether. He's essentially saying, be careful not to use the gifts or over-spiritualize the gifts, over-sensationalize the gifts, um, overvalue the gifts, because the gifts are given to build up, not to puff up. And lastly, I want to close on this part because chapter 13 is so important to the idea of the gifts of the Spirit and how we function, how we, the intention of them and our expression of them and where we need to be cautious in using these gifts. Spiritual gifts are not the indicators of spiritual maturity. Just because someone functions in spiritual gifts does not mean that they are spiritually mature. The fruit of the Spirit are the indicators of spiritual maturity. And more succinctly, love is the indicator of spiritual maturity. So 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, what we know this is the love chapter. It's oftentimes read at every single wedding, although it has nothing to do with marriage and everything to do with how we use our gifts among the community of believers Essentially, what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us is that without love, all of these gifts are worthless. They mean nothing if they're not motivated by, rooted, and anchored in love. Why? God is love. Why? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the indicator of spiritual maturity. And if we aren't mature spiritually, if we're not anchoring ourselves in love, inevitably what will happen is we'll either overvalue or undervalue the gifts and we'll use them for our own benefits to puff our own selves up and we'll miss the whole point of serving one another and building up the local church. 
As I close, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, understand that in the tongues of men and angels, speaking about speaking in tongues. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It says, if I have prophetic powers, again, referencing the gifts, if I have prophetic powers and understand all ministries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's important that we anchor our gifts in love. In Christian maturity, which is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-joy. Anchor our hearts in love. Without love, these gifts mean nothing. I can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, it simply is a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. It is an irritating sound to the Lord. So let's bring our hearts into a place, position, posture ourselves in love so that as we use the gifts, we use them to build up, to glorify God, to edify the church. We express them in such ways that God gets all the glory and that the church is made more and more mature in the ways of Christ. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we're so thankful for the gifts of the Spirit. We pray that you would help us to use these gifts for your glory. Use these gifts that you've given us to encourage one another to serve one another, to build one another up in maturity in our most holy faith. Help us to re realize and maybe uh, give us a revelation of the gifts that you've given each of us uniquely, individually, so that we can better exercise those gifts for your glory. Holy Spirit, direct us and lead us and help us, God, to be anchored in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'd encourage you this week to go. There's all kinds of uh, assessment tests online that you can go and, and look and see. Matter of fact, I'll send it out in our afterthought this week in our email, some assessment tests that you can take to find out maybe what some of your spiritual gifts are and how to better operate and function in them. But I would encourage you to spend some time seeking the Lord this week and asking him, Lord, what are my gifts and how can I use them best to serve your people and your kingdom? Before you go, let me pray, pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.